This is Unexpected with Hannah Love. In this podcast, you will gain a new perspective of how God loves you enough to call you to things that you couldn't have imagined for yourself. We are on the hot topic of really wherever Holy Spirit leads us. But a few things that I wanted to talk about today, because um, for those of you who do not know, Erica was on an episode with me, I think last year, um, with Kat Nail, and we talked about parenting, conservative parenting. So we can touch on that today, too, but I really, really wanted to talk about marriage. Um, I feel like this day and age, I don't know, I feel like Christians kind of get a bad rap, and not just Christians, but the nuclear family in general. Um, I just think it's being attacked. I don't think. I know. Um, I think masculinity is being attacked. I think the nuclear family is being attacked. Um, And I just wanted to come on today and talk to someone who I know and love and respect and admire, and I look up to you and Cody, um, and I've I've had counsel from you and Cody uh, through the years. And I just thought you would be the perfect person to hop on and talk about marriage with because you just have so much to offer this. So that just means the world to me. So I'll tell you what, if you would have told me that anyone would look up to my marriage 10 years ago, you know, I would have, it would have been a shock to me because it definitely is something that you work at every single day. And so, and you and I have talked about that a lot. And I think the key to marriage is just making sure that you do that, that you remember that it's not, it's not a feeling, you know, love is not a feeling. I took a lot of notes to this morning, just thinking about my marriage and thinking about the discussion, but gosh, you're so right. Families are attacked. And I think you've hit the nail on the head when you say masculinity has been attacked because mm-hmm. as soon as people take away the importance of that strong man role model in, in the home, um, mm-hmm. And your, just the essence of a family deteriorates immediately. And so I do, and I, I brag on my husband often. I've tried to do better. I've been convicted lately about doing better with Cody, but he's, he's an incredible partner in marriage and in parenting. And so um, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm very excited today. To talk. It's going to be good. It's going to be a good combo today. Okay, so I guess just to get started, why don't we off the bat just name a few practical things um, that people can do. Maybe they're in their early years. um, Maybe they're not, but just practical things that you can do to strengthen your relationship. I know a few things. I took a few notes too. And um, the first two things that I have are pray for your husband and pray with your husband. Um, I think that the stats are out there. You know, we've all seen the stats on divorce and divorce rates. And then I think within the church, divorce rates drop from 50% to 26%. And then couples that pray together, like actually pray together, the divorce rate drops to like 6% or less. Wow. Something and I love, I love when you bring stats. That's one of my favorite things about your podcast is that you don't just bring um, the word and, and which is enough in itself, but you also bring the stats because I think that's important for us to recognize there's science behind this. Even if you're not over and you're curious, okay, why, why do they think that there's certain patterns for marriage? Why choose the Lord's way of doing marriage? It's because it's statistically proven that yes. when you do it God's way, it's the best way. His ways are higher. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just for it. That's right. It's principles because they work. That's that is the way that it was created to be. Um, so absolutely. What are a couple of things that you would say aside from praying for your husband and praying with your husband? I love both of those things. I think that, you know, we hear this a lot, but just intimacy in general. I think, you know, I was looking at the word for love in the Bible, and you and I have talked about this. In the Greek translation, there's several different words for love, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I wrote down eros is one. It's the romantic love. It comes with the feelings. uh, It's a passion. And I wrote down um, that when you think about love, especially when you're younger, you think about that feeling that you get when you see your husband. I still get those feelings when I see Cody. I get the butterflies, all the things, you know. But the agape kind of love that God Mm -hmm. commands us to have. And Jesus even said, 
he said, and let me find my note on it. Um, he said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I was thinking about that and how I viewed love early on in my marriage. And I thought date nights, you know, and you hear this all the time. Oh, you need a lot of date nights. And it's so true. But it's not just the date nights that really ignite intimacy within your marriage. Right. So I would say, um, you know, the conversations going to church together as a, as young people, we've missed out on that, you know, that good counsel. I would say one of the things is, is grow together. So you and Shay mentioned in your last podcast that you listened to Dr. Dobson. Love I, I love a good mentor. When you are young in your marriage, Sometimes when you grow up in the church, you think, I don't need that. Or you had that raising as a child, or maybe you didn't. Find a mentor that's doing it better than you and see, okay, what is working in their life? And it's not just about who is um, who is the most passionate on social media or right. who, you know, who are best spouse, you know. Right. It's, it's truly that mentorship. So I would say find a mentor that you recognize when you say, I love the way they're doing marriage and really think about why it is that you admire them and study that together. Um, I think that's, I think that's really important. So that would be more school things. I, and you might have something to add to that. I'm trying to think of, there's so much wisdom in that. Absolutely. Mentors, you and you actually taught me this. You said, sis, you said you need a mentor a mentee and then someone in the same season of your life. Same thing with marriage. You know, you need that in your life to be able to see that, oh, it really, it does work. And then that way, there is somebody that if if you're really struggling, you can say, I know you've walked through this. How did you get to this place? Um, and that's always helped me so much. And you know what's sad is I've really only gotten better at that. And I'm almost 40 years old to where now you're I'm not, You're not, though. You're in your mid-30s. I feel like I'm almost 40. But uh, but yes, I would say that would be one of the main. Now, I love that you brought up the reciprocal. So that's that's actually what that's called. Um, you mentioned a mentor, a mentoree, and then that person who is on the same footing as you. Um, one of the first things that a counselor told me was you need to have a reciprocal person who is it's a safe person. It's a person that loves you and that you trust um, and that loves you enough to speak truth into your life um, that will hold you accountable. I think that's the most important aspect of it. And I know that you do that for me. You would look at me and in love tell me that there are things that I could be doing better or things that I have done wrong. Um, and I wouldn't take offense to that. I mean, I might I might be like, oh, that stinks. But knowing that it comes from someone who loves me, it's so important to have a reciprocal person. And that's you. You're you're my reciprocal reciprocal. And I know that I can come to you about things in my marriage. Um also because I'm married to your brother. So I know that you're a safe place because you love me, but you also love the man that I'm married to. You know, that's very safe. Um and I actually wanted to talk about that too because I think it's really important that women and men have a safe place to discuss their marriage and hardships, but not in a way that is um, negative, like putting the other person down. Absolutely. Um, because I think that we see that so much. We see it in culture. We see it in marriages. We see it in like groups of people and even online. Um, have you ever it's been around? Yeah, it's it's like celebrating and commiserating. Basically, I just I've seen a lot of groups or been around groups where they get together and they're like, this is filling my cup because they're sitting around talking about how terrible their husbands are. And I'm like, and I, I know. And I, and I do have to, I do, <laughs> I do have to be super honest about this. And I think we talked about this the other day on the phone. Um, I, the Holy Spirit convicted me of this recently. Um, because, you know, sometimes you get in this very comfortable place in your marriage where you yourself know you are totally in love with your husband. You're not going anywhere. Um, there's peace in the home. 
But then you get around with your good friends and you begin to joke just about the things that maybe the two things that he hasn't nailed, right? And Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit just recently, I started thinking back in my marriage to the very beginning. And I don't know if any any of your listeners are in this place, but I just want to make sure that they know I've been in this place. I'm sure you've been in this place, maybe not to the same extent. But I remember I got to this dangerous place of thinking about Cody in a very negative way to the point where you start to imagine what your life would be even without that person, right? In the very beginning of my marriage. And I, the Holy Spirit just brought that to my remembrance the other day when I was getting ready. And it was like, I just had this overwhelming desire and conviction to start blessing Cody in this mm-hmm. phase of our life. And I was like, Lord, what does that look like? You know? And I know that I want to honor my husband because of all these amazing things that he does. And even though with my friends now, I'm not talking about I tear Cody down, but I'll joke about the little things that I don't like. And the problem with it is I will never come back and say, but you wouldn't believe how amazing he is in this way. I just assume they're going to see those things. And there's life and death and the power of the tongue as you and I have talked about many times. And so just taking the time to say, Lord, bless Cody today. He is so, and just talk to the Lord and, and say these things out loud so that you remember how incredibly gifted and blessed we are with our husbands, you know. It's just as important. And with society celebrating all of their failures, we've got to make sure that we're speaking into existence, you know, not only oh, he's amazing right now, but God, continue to equip him, continue to bless him, continue to fulfill all the things that you have planned for him in his life, your kingdom. And so it's so important that we as, as spiritual leaders, as well, alongside our husbands, are also blessing them. And Hannah, you do such a, a good job with this. And I think I've learned, so, I know I've learned so much from you, because not only are you a writer, but you are someone who really articulates really well. And so I, I love listening to you pray. I love listening to you talk about Shay and I've learned a lot and it's important. It's important that we verbalize those things about our husband. Well, thank you. That is so kind of you to say. Um, but I've also learned a lot of this from you. And I, again, I know that you are a safe place that I can go to. Um, and, and I love that you've talked about the early years because I feel like we've all had those early years. Like, the first few years of marriage are, are typically the toughest, I would say. Um, and I literally remember being in a place where I'm like, hopeless. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you feel stuck. You feel trapped. You're like, what is this life that I've, like, married into because my marriage is in such a bad place and there's nothing really that I felt I could do about it. That was the time where I was just, like, on my knees giving my husband over to God because I was like, I can only work on me. I can't. I mean, and it was a hopeless place. And sometimes it's even hopeless as a Christian in those young married years because you know all the right things. You know, for me, I was, I was, I knew the Lord. And I remember thinking every time I take my husband and any kind of petition to the Lord, all I seem to hear back is something about me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and you and I have had this conversation so many times where it's like, okay, Lord, I get it. I need to work on this. I need to work on this. And it seems like in in you know this as you get older and you you grow spiritually, you realize that everything that God says is usually changing us. And all of even David's prayers, many of the Psalms that say, Lord created me, search me, know my wickedness, know my heart, you know, change me, make me like you. And that's who God is going to deal with in your marriage, early and late in your marriage. He's always going to convict us. And so I remember, and I know I've shared this with you, Hannah. I said, Lord, help me see Cody like you see Cody. Mm. And that was a simple prayer, but it changed my whole marriage because then I, I began to see Cody like God sees Cody and I have adored him since the moment I married him, but it has not always been perfect. But I tell you, God has, he will, when you pray the heart of the father, when you pray according to the word and you're not just praying selfishly, God will, he is waiting for you to say, 
things like that. You know, change me like you. Help me see Cody like you see Cody. You know, that's that's joy to the Father. That is so powerful. I mean, if no, if no one gets anything else today, I, I hope that that is a takeaway. Instead of being like, Lord, change my husband. Yeah. Ask God to show you his heart for your husband. And in turn, what you can do when he shows you that, you're going to start seeing. And, 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 you know, even when I met Shay, even though it wasn't the man I was seeing displayed, I knew his heart. It, like God gave me a glimpse of his heart. And I would say, this isn't the man God made you. God made you a leader. God made you this. God made you this. You are, and you speak life. You speak yeah. life over them. You, you pray these things over them. You ask God to show that to you, whether you see it or not. You that's know, right. you know, that's what God says and, and thinks and feels about your husband. And that's your husband. So that's what you say about him too. If God says it, that's what you say. And you continue to speak life. And we have three sons. And I, I yeah. need I need to continue to remember that they are going to hear me speaking life over their father. Mm-hmm. Um, that is another like huge point. That the example that our kids get for marriage, they're going to go and they're going to have a marriage that looks like your marriage. If you don't like your marriage, you better think long and hard about what you can be doing to change it because your kids are just going to go and find the exact same thing. Um, and that is a hefty. I mean, that's kind of a burden itself. It's a responsibility. And I'm responsible. Like, okay, what you just said made me think of, I'm in a study about prayer right now, which, um, you know, we have praying grandparents from both, of, both sides of our family and praying mothers. And it's been a real, um, a burden on my heart that that needs to be me. I need to take that mantle on. I know you do, Hannah, as well. And we've prayed together. Um, I love that time together with you. But I was thinking just when you said that, when we speak God's heart over our husband, when we speak blessing our, over our husband, we're partnering with God's kingdom. So when God says, let, king, let heaven be on earth, we are saying, instead of my will, your will be done. Yes. Anytime that we speak life over our husband, anytime that we honor our husband in prayer, um, we're partnering with the Father. And I think so many times we put such an emphasis on how we treat the world. And this is something that I've really been thinking about lately is, you know, as Christians, we are constantly hearing messages about, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, treat those at your work a certain way, treat people at your church a certain way, but it starts in the home. Mm-hmm. It starts in the home. And and man, I don't know why it took me that long to get that. But even when I wake up in the morning, the way that I treat and love Cody, that's the most important part of my day. Because guess what? The way I treat and love Cody, my kids see it. And then the way I treat and love them, that's what they're able to give to the world as well. And so it becomes yeah. their important. Yeah, what they what they see, how they see you love becomes their standard of how they should be loved and how they should love others. That's exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I you, you've heard this a million times, but you know what mom used to tell us? She used to tell us, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. For unto this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. That's First Peter 2, um, 8 through 9. But it also talks about being harmonious, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, and I'm a feisty wife. <laughs> I mean, you know this about me. And what's funny is Shay and I are so similar. We talk about this all the time. And Hannah, you are humble and kind-hearted and gentle. It's just who God made you. I can be feisty too. You, you can be feisty. But it's just, you're, you have the sweetest, most precious spirit. And so it's, it's something that I wake up and I say, Lord, please help change me today. Make me kind-hearted. Make me make me more like you because I need that. I need that to be able to pour into my family. You know, but even if we just made that even more important than anybody else, if we made that a priority in our home, what a difference what in our family. You know, in the families. Well, and two, this plays heavily into, and I know I mentioned this earlier, but but I just think that. Again, in this culture, there's such a toxic um, tendency to want to commiserate with with other women about 
oh, well, you know, he's doing this or, you know, he's he's useless or he's this. And even it can be as simple and as harmless um, as as scrolling and like going down these rules where the the wife is like, you know, when I'm trying to get all this done and my husband's out whatever and they're they are funny yeah. Shay and I just change those we send them to each other you know because we know our weaknesses yeah. and it's fine we can poke fun at each other but if that becomes like the only thing that you're surrounding yourself with and then you're going into groups of other women or your husband is going into groups of other men where it's the old ball and chain and well you know xyz I gotta da 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 because she's nagging get that kind of talk, whether you mean it or not, that's going to, you're still speaking that out of your mouth. Yeah. It's like a seed. It's going to grow. That's right. Uh, anything that you sow, you know, yeah, exactly discontent. Discontent. you know, you're planting discontentment. That's and right. so I think another thing along with like, God changed me, changed my heart. Also, God give me eyes to see and recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I ask over my boys, God, if it's not of you, like, I want to feel like a supernatural, like, dis- disdain for it. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be a part of it. Um, and that's not to say that I'm judging those people no. or that I just want to remove myself because I, I want to think the best of my husband. I want to call out the truth over my husband because that's the ultimate example we're going to set for our kids and really the future. Like, that's right. it's like you said, the the family is the nuclear like unit of the world. It's like the cell. It's the building block that all society benefits from if we are healthy. Well, you're exactly right. And, you know, I'm, I'm as you're speaking, I'm thinking, Lord, why is that? Why is the plan of the enemy to stir that up, that discontentment among women, you know, make it? And a lot of times Satan knows exactly how to do it. It starts out as something funny. And then, you know, and then you hear and you go back and forth. And, and I'm like you said, I laugh at them, too. But it doesn't always end there. Rare, rarely does it in there. But I'm like, Lord, why? Why is that? Why is that a strategy of the enemy? One of the things that our husband need, and and actually it's a command, it's a command from the Lord whenever he talks about, you know, um, and I have the passage somewhere, but he talks about to the husband, love her as I love the church. And he gives all these demands, present her holy and blameless, all these things. There's a scripture that said, and women respect your husbands. Men need respect. Men need to be honored and respected. And I've read many, many books that back this up from great love and respect, love and respect. And so if you think about it, right, the enemy is trying to break down the respect that we have for our husband, because if our husbands stop feeling respect, then they are not going to cherish and love as they should, because that's their need, you know? And so I think it's important sometimes, you know, as we grow spiritually, not only to be putting on the full armor of God, but anticipating the attacks of the enemy and what he's going to do next. Yes. You know, and, we, and, and you and I have talked about this over our children. We are raising warriors that not only can anticipate attacks, but to fight boldly against them, not just when they get older, but when they're younger, they can recognize that and say, no, you know, and respect and honor their dad, just as we honor our husbands. Yes. No, I love that. And you know, what's interesting about it is the enemy can be so subtle, like he can be so subtle and slip in. And you know, a few years ago, God told me you're the gatekeeper. Um, mm, I love and that. I think about I think about that often. I, I'm the gatekeeper of our home, of our household, of what, uh, of the music that we listen to, of the environment here. Um, I feel like God makes women the gatekeeper of the home in that sense, at, when the husband is the leader. But I also feel like the gates are the ears and the eyes and the mouth. And so it's also the things that we're taking in um, and things as simple as like cartoons and shows and movies. And, you know, we hear all the time about the agenda, the agenda that they're pushing. And I'm not denying it. I mean, I agree. If you Uh look across the board at movies um, about just just the masculinity that's being attacked about um men that are now being put in lower positions or being made the comedy you know where the woman is the serious one and i'm not saying that men can't be funny and that women can't be bosses that's not what i'm saying 
But what I am saying is, for example, can be so subtle. I have noticed after years of watching Peppa Pig. Yeah. The reason Peppa Pig is so funny is because Daddy Pig is kind of the quintessential, like, butt of every joke. Daddy Pig is always, oh, like silly daddy, literally. Like, that's kind of the tagline. It's silly daddy. Um, And it is funny. But I, more and more, I've been thinking about it. And I was like, that's not a true representation of a man leading his home. It's not a true representation of the leader figure in a home. Yes, it's funny. And daddies can be funny. And, you know, we can giggle at some of the things that dads do and also that moms do. But that should not be the representation. And I've, I have found it more and more in cartoons and movies and shows that the dad is kind of the butt of jokes. And again, that points to that lack of respect that they are losing and then when they lose the sense of respect we will in turn lose a sense of feeling cherished and loved because they're not getting their needs met and then we won't get our needs met it's a circle like that it also it also lowers the standard of who they think that they need to be absolutely Absolutely. As husbands and fathers, as a society, they think that is the standard. I've been thinking a lot about that, about the fact that our charge as parents and in our marriage, right, in my opinion, is to create an atmosphere of peace. Not only are we, we are providing a training ground for our children. I heard once, and I know we shared about this before, um, peace is the goal. Kids will want to come back home if it's a home of peace. I was thinking about that this morning and I started thinking about the armor of God and what we're doing to train our kids. Instead of handing them a laptop or, or an iPad or a cell phone, are we training them in disciplines? And I thought about peace and I thought about the gospel of peace. So in the armor, the preparation, the readiness of the gospel of peace, yeah. our charge to go out and share the gospel of peace. And how cool that not only is the fact that the gospel is the gospel and the and the incredible good news of Jesus. But also, he said, I'm going to leave peace with you. It's peace. The world is looking for peace. They're going, why isn't there peace in my home? Why doesn't the kid put the iPad down? Why is he constantly on, you know, every single video game? It's exactly it's intentional. It's an intentional discipline of peace. And I read this. Um, it's if a soldier is ready, so the readiness of the gospel of peace, and as soldiers, and we are equipping our kids to be soldiers with the full armor of God, right? If we are ready and we're fully prepared with the gospel of peace, we know the strategy of the enemy, mm-hmm. we are confident in our own strategy, and we are planted firm. Our feet are planted firm so that we can hold our ground when the attack comes. And I thought, ooh. You know, how are we preparing our kids to be ready for the attacks? Yes. We have so many distractions, so many gadgets and all these things. And I know it's easier, but man, it's not just sharing the gospel. It's sharing peace. Yes. It's what the world is desperately searching for. And we have it. Yes, the gospel is the good news. That is hope. And what is hope? Hope gives you peace because you know that that there is an end, that the victory has been been had. Uh, Gosh, what a beautiful picture. Uh, And you're so right. And how will our kids know? Again, with with being the gatekeepers and um, and teaching and, and teaching discipline. But how will our children know if we are not also pointing out? things to them. And I know that it may feel like our kids are young and they don't understand yet, but there's plenty of lessons that we learned from our parents that maybe we were too young for, but as we got older, we said, oh, I understand that now. So regardless of their capacity to fully comprehend the lessons that we're teaching them, um, 
it's still sinking in. It's still soaking into them. It's still becoming part of their, of their foundation. It's still going to be something that they come back to and they're like, I remember that mom and dad did this. And now I absolutely see why. Like now I'm married. Now I have kids and I absolutely so see. I see why they did what they did. Yes. Let me ask you this, Hannah. Why, why do you think that we're not hearing more teaching that that's like practical application? Because I know as a young mom um, and now a little bit older of a mom, you know, we can get in the word and, um, and, and we can really pray and, and the Holy Spirit will give us and guide us and give us direction. But I wonder if we're speaking to people now who are, maybe they have kids our age, um, and maybe older, um, and they think I've already messed up. I've already given my kids a cell phone. I've already, I've already created this environment that they're dependent on all of these things. And, and yes, I'm experiencing, I'm experiencing less peace in my home, right? Because of all of this. What do we say to those parents at this point? I mean, I've really challenged myself in conversation. You know, what do they do at this point? I mean, I actually last week had a conversation with a mom. And again, one thing that we're always doing to better ourselves is to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Like never, it, I guess it's that humility, but never feel like you cannot ask someone that has gone before you, um, what would they do? Have they made this mistake? Have they have they come to this bridge yet? Mm-hmm. I asked a few moms that were a little bit older, had kiddos in high school. Um, what do y'all do about sleepovers? Yeah. And I was like, we're planning on not doing sleepovers. I mean, I know that our kids are going to be like, y'all aren't fun. And there's going to be a lot of, and both of those moms said, if there's one piece of advice I could give any younger mom is just start it now. Because they were like, our kids are now older and we're just now like, we can't do this. This is not okay, especially for boys and the things that they have access to. Um, And both of them were like, start it now. Start it while they're young. Make it a thing. And I was so glad that I asked because that was what we were already thinking. But to hear other moms, and I have so much respect because it's not like they had folded and said, well, we've already, they're already this age and we're just going to go ahead. But they were like, it's so, 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 so hard. It's so, so hard, but we're going to do it now. Yeah. I would say to those moms, it's never too late. It's You're never past learning. You're right. never past bettering yourself. Um, and you're never past doing the right thing for your kids. Oh, um, right. I struggle with that a lot because I'm like, gosh, Asher just turned seven. And I feel like we missed so many important things with him that we're now like trying to implement with Ames. You know what I mean? But God's grace is, his mercy is new every morning. And that's something that like God has said to me over the last few weeks is his mercy is new every morning. And if that is so, and it is because it's his word, then that means the same for our children. His mercies are new. Um, He has grace. He has mercy. Um, And he knows our hearts and he knows that we can continue to pour into them as best we can. Um, And even if, even if that means saying, you know what, back then we didn't know X, Y, Z, and now we've made the decision to do this and we're sorry, but this is the choice that we've made. Just having humility enough to say, okay, kids, we got it wrong. I'm sorry that we set that standard, but we're raising the standard. That's right. That's exactly right. And gosh, that's important for kids to see as well, because I remember I used to really be, I don't want to say jealous, but a little bit jealous of people who could say they had never had a fight in their marriage. Their kids had never witnessed them arguing mm-hmm. all of the things. And I remember Cody telling me one day, he said, you know, we, we aren't perfect in our marriage, but what we are teaching our kids is to, to grow, yes. to grow in our marriage and to learn and allow the Holy Spirit to to move and to teach us. And they need to see, I think it's important for kids to see that in their parents mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and Cody and I would say, we're not, we don't yell. That's something we don't do, but we haven't heard. But we will go to our kids and say, we are so sorry, you know, and take ownership of it so that they can do that someday when they're older, you know. I actually think of like Sunday mornings and we're like always late for church and Shay and I are always kind of like, at each other's throats because it's always someone's fault. Um, 
And then we kind of like start bickering at each other. And I usually will take a breath and be like, either we don't need to like have this between us in front of our kids or we need to do it in a way that's going to be beneficial. And there have been times where Shay will turn around and be like, boys, I'm sorry that mommy and daddy were, you know, grouchy with one another or that we were arguing in front of you, but it's important for them to see you work that out in a healthy way so they know. Because I think we also came from a generation where you stuff everything under the rug and everything's fine. Um, And that's not a healthy coping mechanism because then your kids don't know how they don't they don't know how to like approach that when they are married. Like, how do you have conflict? No, you're exactly right. Okay, are there any other hot topics? There Uh, is one that I've been thinking about, and this one maybe not as controversial. Okay, but it is something that is a pattern. I feel like within our society, that really I've thought about my parents and things that they did that they did right. You know, sometimes we can really think back and we're thinking, "Man, I, I don't know that that was perfect." And my parents, um, they they did a lot of things right. And the older I get, and the more I find myself parenting the way that they did, um, it's it's they did a lot right. And one of the things they taught Shay, Gabby, and I was to treat each other a certain way. And that was with a lot of love. And one of the things mom constantly said was, love thinks the best. And, you know, even within my own home, there's been times they, they kind of, they're different ages. And so they will really get on each other's nerves and they'll start fighting or something like that. And my reaction as a parent, it's almost like a, just an automatic. I do what my mom did. And I say, guys, those are your siblings. You love, you know, you always think the best. You always love each other. You do not repay evil for evil. You do not, you love each other. And I don't, I, I do not allow the all out brawling situation in my kids. And I have seen this in many, in society, it's like, you just give what someone else gives. You return the same energy. You know, you, and, and that to me is a biblical principle that the church is getting away from. And that really concerns me because just like we talked earlier about training in the home, it starts with your sibling. You know, it starts with your siblings and your parents. And I just, I've thought a lot about that lately about, and I don't know what your thoughts are, but as you know, your your babies are younger and that just happens when they're young, but it is a training toddler and I've seen you do it. No, love your brother. You know, you correct that instead it's, of we'll hit her back. Yeah. My big thing is like, what's the golden rule? How would you want to be treated in this situation? And so I always make them go back and I'm like, would you want your brother to have done that to you? No. Should you have done that to him? No. Okay, make better choices. I know exactly what you're saying, and you're exactly right. Because, you know, there's a lot about speaking life and death. And there is, there is there's something to be said about speaking something to existence, even if it's not quite there yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. but there's also a huge epidemic of telling kids that they are, they people reward bad behavior right you know and so you make a great point um it's important that we speak truth to our kids as well and when they are behaving a certain way tell them the truth it doesn't mean that one action defines the rest of their life or one behavior defines who they are um thank the lord but we have to we can't just ignore that behavior um right can't just ignore those things it, because it's, it does not allow for growth. You just see the adult that that child becomes. You can just see examples of, it's like, uh, which, you know, reading the parenting books, but it's like they stay stunted emotionally. And so they may, it may be a grown man, but emotionally um, they are remaining like a 12-year-old boy oh, who... Yes. You know, still throws the fit to get his way or, you know, whatever the behavior is, it's just on an adult level. You made a Uh, really interesting point while ago that I just, I would love for you to talk more on. And that is, um, 
correcting each other when you're parenting. Yes. Um, Shane have tried really hard to not correct each other. Yeah. In front of our children and in front of um, other people. Well, yeah. Um, we've gotten better at it. Um, but again, that has taken a lot of communication and a lot of fights over the years of being like, hey, thanks for saying that in front of everyone, you know, even if it's joking, like, just don't say it. Just don't say it. I know. Um, Take, take the time. And again, that's part of the respect. Respect your husband enough to pull him aside and say, hey, um, next time the boys do this, can you say this? Because there are things that I'm like, this, this is just a personal like, I just don't like the wording of that. Yes. Simple as that. Like, but I'm not going to say that in front of our boys because then it becomes, well, m- mommy, you know, isn't that right? Yeah. And I hate that. I, I hate it when, and Ames is on a kick right now where he's like, um, mommy is right and daddy is not. And even that is, I'm like, he's on my team about this. But I'm like, yeah. mommy's not always right, Ames. And just making sure that they know. That um, we're on the same team. Yes. But I love that you are real about that because it, it is something that, you know, marriage and parenting go so hand in hand. You know, if you are not close enough, if you don't trust your partner enough or respect your partner enough to be able to have those conversations, you really miss out on one of the greatest mentors that you all ever have in your life. And his pony constantly, I look at him and I think, I want to be more like that. I always call him the Andy Griffith of our house, but I used to take such a defense against his correction. And he's always really good to pull me aside and, and maybe not even in the moment, like he'll give me some time and he'll explain to me, you know, Hey, when you said this and, you know, and I've always really hated that until the last several years and I think that that shows that I really trust him and I've seen that he is such a good parent and he what he says is true and so right you know I think that's important um you know be as a woman as an independent feisty mm-hmm. personality being able to like you said humble myself a little bit and say I mean like what would you and now I'll even say what would you do in this yes. Yeah. yes. And I think you nailed it. I think that one question right there allows them to lead. Yeah. Because yeah. you are A, welcoming them into a problem, and B, you're showing them that you respect their opinion. You're looking to them for leadership. You're looking to them for advice and that they're your helpmate. I mean, I think that that's like the ultimate form of communication is to open up the floor and and to be willing to be not offended. That's right. You have to decide that before. Right. You know, you have to decide that before that you're not going to be offended. Yes. Because what if, what if they're like, well, babe, I think that you're babying the kids. Right. You know, I'm going to have to decide beforehand to be like, okay. I mean, maybe I am. (laughs) Maybe you have a point. Yep. Just to go ahead because you're on the same team. Yep. And and like it, it's the team of our entire family. So it's not no one's going to win. Like if we're fighting, no one's going to win. And That's I think it. communication has become much better between Shay and I. And I think, um, again, it's that willingness to not be offended, uh, the humility and Honestly, sometimes we, we just, sometimes in the middle of fighting, nowadays, this shows our growth. Sometimes yeah. if we start off really rough in the morning, Shay will just take my hand and be like, you know what? I just rebuke the spirit of offense. <laughs> and we'll just start, we'll just start praying. Oh, we'll just press that reset. And just be like, 
this is your day. And you know what I love to do? I love to consecrate my day to the Lord. I, I will start that. my day and say, God, I consecrate this day to you. I consecrate my marriage to you, my words and my actions, my emotions. It's all yours. My husband, yours. My kids, they're yours because they are. No one loves them more than you love them. If you start your day by giving that, like verbally, you're like, God, consecrate them That's to you. So good. I've been doing that since you shared that with me. I've been doing that on my way to work. And Mm -hmm. you know what that is? Yes. And it also says, it also says, Lord, what are we doing today? Yeah. It's not just like, you know, it's, it's partnering with his agenda. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. It's like, it's like, God, you know what? I know you love him. I know you love him more than I do. So you go ahead and take them and just like, let me know if there's anything I can help you with. Uh, exactly. Just, just bring anything to mind that like I could be doing to, to like, to, to help whatever you want for my family today. That is the most freeing. And I never did that when I was younger. And you know, I think it's because I, and, and this is, this is uh, just a real talk is that I think I didn't trust. I know I didn't trust God like I do. Mm-hmm. The older I get, the more I trust the Lord. And I see the saints that my my grandmother and, you know, I see saints in the church that I go to, you know, our parents. And I always wonder, why are they so, like, just feels like they are constantly talking to the Lord. And, and now I know it's because they trust God way more than they trust themselves. You know, because they've seen the goodness of God. And man, we have such a testimony as a family. I mean, mm-hmm. God has, we, we've been a mess many, many times. And God just continues and continues to save us and continues to show his faithfulness to us. And, uh, and so I just trust him more. You know, I'd rather him run my day than, than me. Absolutely. And, and again, that's that. I guess that's a part of the the discipline of like getting older. And again, that's also we're going on eight years of marriage. So I feel like feel like you reach a certain point where you're like, wow, the first few years I really tried hard to control things. And how did yeah. that go for us? Yeah. Hey, one we had talked about that we were going to talk about, and I want to know your thoughts. Boundaries in marriage. Okay, this is like hot topic for me right now just because I did an interview a month or so back and it blew up and I would like to say in a good way um but so many people were just ragging on the boundary situation that we were discussing in marriage and I it's really hard not to get defensive um because you're like you don't know this life that we live you don't know you don't know anything that goes into it so a, how dare you say anything about the boundaries that I have in my marriage? You don't know right. us. You don't know our life. But B, then I step back and I'm like, you know what? This is a really broken world. And this is, again, the enemy coming to attack the family unit. And I think one of the most like strong things that you can put in place uh, around your family is boundaries around your marriage. And I think it's important for your kids to see that. And I think it's important um also for your spouse to know and have that sense of security. Um, there are boundaries that Shay and I put in place, um, just really simple things and, and things that we don't even, we've ne- like never had issues there, but the boundary is there regardless, just as a parameter of like, it's like going to therapy. You do it as a, what's the word I'm looking for? Preventative. We've talked about, you know, many times fences, boundaries are there to protect. You know, they're not there. Not to protect you. Protect you. That's right. Yes. Yep. And this um, concept, you and, I, you and I have talked about this several times because you are my confidant in many, many ways. And it's, shock, it's shocking within the church how little emphasis we put on putting boundaries in your marriage. Mm-hmm. And it feels like oh, a lot. Absolutely. I think, you know, I remember my sister telling me this years ago, like when I was in college. 
when I was just dating. And my sister was like, you can never, ever, like, there can never just be a friendship between a boy and a girl. Yeah. Oh, let's and, just talk about it. If we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. And I was like, you know, I was always, okay, full disclosure, I was, I had a lot, I was like, picked on a lot and bullied a lot by a lot of girls. And so for me, and I was a tomboy, but for me, boys just felt less drama. Boys felt safer and not in a flirty kind of way, just like boys weren't mean and girls were a little bit mean. And so when my sister said this, I was like, I don't know, like boys have always been nicer to me than girls. But then by saying that, you're like, oh, well, like maybe, maybe there was motivation there for that. But I just remember her saying, there will always be someone on either side that will have feelings, whether they're known or not. Right? If you don't think the enemy wants your marriage, if you don't think, if you think that you are the one marriage that would never be tempted, if you think you're the one person that would never be tempted, just step out having an affair or have an affair, you are, you're making the most epic mistake. Cody and I've had this conversation very candidly of, you know, hey, I love you so much. I know that you would never, ever do this intentionally. But we both know that if we think, if we are so prideful to think that we are the one marriage that is, that would, that would never happen to you, you know, I mean, it just, it's yeah. not reality. And I think that, you know, it's not cool in our culture. It's not cool to not, it looks like not trusting your spouse if you have these boundaries. And especially that's what's so dangerous. Especially for women. I feel like for women, it looks like, oh, well, she's crazy or she's possessive or she's territorial. It's, it's more like, I'm trying to think of a good example. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I have guy friends in my life from high school or college. And if any one of them messages me or text me, I'm going to let Shay know about it. And none of it is. And I mean, I'm talking like even like guys that are married and they and their wives are coming to town. Like I will be like, hey, so and so, you know, just out of respect, just transparency. I even have guy friends that at this point, I'm like, I have connected you to Shay now, and now y'all could be friends. Yes. And I'm kind of a little bit removed from this situation just because I'm like, I'm a married woman now. And like, yes. when I want my husband texting a like friend from high school that's a girl, well, probably not. No. It changes from being simple. The bit, the simple truth here is, and a, and a way to measure it, I think, is if you have a person in your life of the opposite sex, whether they're working with you or, you know, whatever the, the relationship may have evolved from, um, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that when you're married, you don't have a separate relationship that doesn't involve your spouse, that he's unaware of. And you're talking and sharing and they're not crying. If you overheard yeah. you need to a text, then that's a sign. If you feel like you wouldn't want them to see your conversation, that's a sign. Um, yes. It doesn't mean that I don't have, I have a really healthy relationships with my coworkers, um, with people in the community that I love dearly that are not women. But like mm-hmm. you said, I Cody is aware of each and every one of those. And that is, it's kind of challenging sometimes because you, as you know, I'm in real estate, so you have lots of conversations. It doesn't matter. It's, it's so important and it, and it goes back to respecting my husband. You know what else I do? Everybody knows about that too. Everybody knows whenever yeah. I talk to people, I talk about Cody. It's me, yeah. Cody, you know. Because uh, that here is you putting your marriage before you and saying that's giving honor and respect respect to your husband. I feel like that is what that is. And also it's it's simply protecting because it could be a matter of like, oh, can I get your opinion on the for women the need is emotional, right? And for men the need is respect. 
And so if by chance there's some conversation had where all of a sudden a woman starts feeling like this guy that she was texting for something else, all of a sudden she feels she can confide in him about something, it's just a slippery slope. And yes, and that's just a door that you can easily like shut before anyone's foot is in it. That's right. Although you in your in your own right are just absolutely model beautiful. You also just I, it would be hard for me. I feel like to have a husband that does what Shay does, and I feel like you put up boundaries without without taking away. Shay's love for people, the way that God has gifted him, is you're just the perfect uh, balance to Shay. And uh, I think, but I really admired the way that you put up boundaries without it. Like you said, you're not trapping; you're protecting. You know, right? Um, yes, um, I admire your. Um, I admire Shay as well because he does such a good job with this in his career. Um, when you've got thousands of screaming fans, you know, and and they're not the beautiful women, you know, yeah. but he knows what he has. He has a treasure in his family and his wife. And it's something that he is diligent as a man to protect. And one of the things you told me early on, you know, that girls aren't on the bus. Yeah. That's a boundary that Shay puts up. It's like a you band know, rule. Like girls it's are. It's a band rule. It's an intentional thing, you know. So why wouldn't we do that? It's it's not, it's for everybody to do that. We have to do that. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's so important. Yeah. Maybe we'll just like poke our finger in like one more hot topic. Yeah. I briefly mentioned this again on that one episode, but I just am very aware of the attack that the enemy has on um, on young couples and divorce, anyone in divorce, really. But I just hate the way that the um, the media, the mainstream media is pushing the, I don't even know, celebrating the whole, like, you divorce should get the, your freedom, you should go party it up, like, no man is your boss, this, you're not made to be a housewife, like, this whole thing. Um, because I actually think it's really evil and deceptive, um, to women. I think that women are missing the thing that like would fulfill them more than anything. I'm not saying that women cannot do both. I actually wrote a post, um, on marriage a couple years ago, and it was just speaking to the woman who thinks that she cannot have both family and marriage and also the career. And I'm not even ashamed to say this. Um, someone that commented on it is like has a huge career, but she also has children. And when I say he, like a huge career and she commented on it and she was like, I couldn't agree more. And I just think that that in itself is validating to a lot of women who are on there going, huh, because I also had a lot of pushback. I also had a lot of comments saying, well, what year were you born in? You know, so much for the feminist movement. Like you think that, no, I'm just telling you without a shadow of doubt that God, like a child to a woman is, is the greatest blessing that you could ever have. It's the thing that's going to change you and grow you and better you more than any job, any career, anything you could come back to at any age. You said one thing and it was, it's a deception. Mm-hmm. And I think that that word in itself is just, that's, that's the main point in all of, all of that. The celebration of divorce, the celebration of things that, you know, that used to, it was a very, it was a shameful it was, to be honest, it was it was a painful thing, and I'm absolutely sensitive and aware no that one it takes people. We understand. We understand that divorce is going to happen, and what you're saying is just celebration as a society of a failed marriage. Right. I I do not understand this, and you're exactly right. Young women are seeing this, 
and they think that that is normal. There's even a celebration of I'm on my fifth husband or, or you know, celebration of I want to marry somebody wealthy or I want to marry somebody like this. It all comes down to the deception that self-serving, being selfish, all, you know, thinking about what makes me happy is going to, all of those things are going to make me happy. And it's a deception because God's way is the best way. And we know this. And and we are speaking to, the, to this because we've experienced this. We've experienced what it means to die to ourselves and right. leave a lot of, you know, just all about me, have babies, um, right. have a, a, a marriage and accountability and things like that. And God's way works. And I will say this, it's worked for generations. It statistically mm-hmm. worked for generations. It's not just take my word for it. It's not just biblical. It's something that we see st- statistically that if children are at home with both a mother and a father, that they are going to thrive in that environment much more than if yeah. one parent walks away. Yeah, and so why are we celebrating? Yeah. Why are we celebrating Brokenness. something that is broken? I'm with you 100% on this. And here's the thing. People can say whatever they want to about it and feel all, however they want to about it. And the sad things about our society is even when you bring facts to the table, they still want to deny it because of their feelings. Guess what? Feelings, they lie to you. Emotions lie to you. So it's it's something that we're teaching our kids. It's something that we're training in. And absolutely, it shouldn't even be a hot topic, but you're right, it is. And I'm proud of you and I'm proud of women who are saying, wait a minute, you know what? I love you enough to tell you the truth. Yeah. And that's what we're missing. We're missing people who are bold enough to tell the truth. That's right. And I think, mm-hmm. okay, we'll just end it with this because this is actually really fresh on my mind. I I think that we live in a really like dangerous time culturally where we are pushed and pushed and pushed to be um apathetic and to be um what's what's the word uh, affirming to be affirming uh and to affirm people's choices and their decisions and and, and their sin honestly sure. oh the reason that the churches in the world is to set the standard and we are to do so in love and we are to act as Jesus act. And I hate when people twist and turn and say, well, Jesus ate with the sinners and yes, he did. He went there so that he could touch their lives and give them hope and help them transform their lives and turn from that life. He did not go there to celebrate their sin. And I think that's where the church is has become either lukewarm or quiet. They just don't want to say anything because they don't want to offend. They want to affirm. It's like that saying, um, all are welcome here. Well, there's like a, a second half. All are welcome. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Come on. That is so good because you know what? I didn't stay the same. God is constantly in it. It's not that this sin or this sin or this sin is any worse than my sin. Yeah, It's that what I've seen in my life that has set me free, the truth will always set you free. That's something that um, just comes to my mind often when I'm, when I'm talking about something like this. When you truly understand, you truly understand that when you love people, that you love people as Jesus loved them, with that God they love, everlasting, unconditional, unconditional love, and you are willing to step into that conversation a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I, you're exactly right. And, it, and I just, it breaks my heart. It's a whole other, there's so many other conversations of how does that happen? How do people get set free of all of these, all of these things that, that, uh, that we're seeing? But the truth will set them free. It starts with the truth. It starts with the truth, but also, um, do you have people around you who are willing to tell you the truth? If you do not have people in your life who will hold you accountable, um, and I have people in my life that I've I've tried to hold accountable in love, and and they exited, um, but I have peace about that because I know that I did what 
God called me to do. I love them. I love them. I still love them. You know what I mean? I love them so much, but I, I didn't love them enough to um, stand by and continue to affirm choices that went against everything that they claimed to be wanting, you know? And I just think that's important. Just have someone in your life who is a reciprocal, who loves you and who you trust and is like a sister to you. I mean, you are. You are my sister, so I can say that. But it's so important. You have that reciprocal person. You can pour into each other. And then you also can go out. You can be a mentor and you can be mentored. Those are the three relationships. So have a mentor. Be mentoring someone and also have that reciprocal right there in the middle that can pour into you and you can pour into and you will have that accountability person who is separate from your husband. I think that's so important. Also, the same sex. I'm going to throw that one in there just because we're talking about Shay needs to have have a reciprocal man in his life and he does have and I have you. So, sis, I love you. I love you. Thank, thank you, you for so coming on. Thank you for sharing your platform. And thank you for always being here. I'm so proud of you and I love you so much. I love you. I'll see you later. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode has encouraged you, please feel free to share the show with your family and friends. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world today. And my hope is that this show is a candle in the dark.